Welcome to the people of PJC, a community project of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation. Being that these days we cannot host each other for Shabbat meals, our hope is that in this space we will share the stories that we would usually share around the Shabbat table so that we can continue to grow with each other as a community. I am Yechiel Schaffer, the rabbi of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation, found in Baltimore County, Maryland. Our young community has grown over, these, over the last decade into a 150-member strong congregation with passionate, accomplished professionals and many ordinary people with extraordinary stories. In this space, we share some of those stories. Today, I share with you my conversation with Terry and Josh Rosen. Terry is a new board member at PJC, and Terry and Josh are both fun, insightful, and deeply engaging. I had a great time speaking with them. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Okay, Terry and Josh Rosen. Hi, how's it going, guys? Hello, good. Good. If I could ask you to introduce yourselves uh, and tell us each something that we may not know about you. Can I go first? Sure. I'm Terry Rosen. I grew up in Silver Spring thinking I would never, ever move to Baltimore, but here I am now. And we have four kids, ages eight through 15. And uh, I work for the Center for Jewish Education as an executive assistant there. And what's one thing we don't know about you, Terry? Um, so one thing you may not know is really um, not just about me, but our family, I guess. Um, so we have four kids, as I said, and each of them had a, a story around their birth, I guess, um, a big event that happened for each one. Um, our first kid, we actually signed the papers for buying our house. Um, while, while she while was in labor. in labor, pretty much. <laughs> immediately going to the hospital right after that. Um, our second child um, was almost born in the car. She was ready to come out a little too fast. I refused to stop. Um, so I didn't want to deal with the aftermath. Um, our third child, um, so when she was born, actually, this wasn't a great story, but the day she was born, my mom was watching my other kid and ended up with an aortic dissection and landed in the same hospital as I did, um, while I was recovering from birth. Uh, so that was a little crazy. Firstly, she's Okay. Thank God Thank she God. is okay, um, but it kind of created some problems because she was, watching, was watching the kids. She was watching her kids, so our kid ended up in the hospital. They went in an ambulance together, and the police was then oh watching gosh. Alina. Um, and then it was like a big deal to try to get her to come into with us because she didn't come in with us, and so we didn't have like proof that she was ours. And we didn't even know who was in the hospital; just that there was an ambulance at our house. And so we were having our nurse check the yeah, ER was, for people. It's a little added stress yeah. to the day. <laughs> so that was birth number three. That was three. And number four, Noah was born. For those of you that were here around that time, which was 2012, there was a Dorico storm, which was this crazy um, thunderstorm. thunderstorm that basically made it look like a, a hurricane or a tornado had come through. Um, 
and he was born really like just the following day after that. That was the tamest story of the. Of the yeah, that's, that's com- comparatively. If no one ends up in hospital, I mean, you ended up in hospital, but <laughs> if if no one besides you ends up in hospital, that's uh, yeah. Well, there's still people. People still talk about that storm in Baltimore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, Josh. Josh, you introduce yourself. Uh, so I was born in New York. Um, Terry and I met in, at Boston University, where I went to school, and. Uh, graduated a manufacturing engineer, which is a little unusual, I guess. And I uh, ended up at a, in Baltimore, found a job here, a little nervous to come here, but uh, love Baltimore uh, somewhat in comparison to Brooklyn. Um, and uh, yeah, really happy. I guess. The, Wait, so when you said, Josh, when you said you were born in New York, you actually meant Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yes. Brooklyn, New York. And how did you go from Brooklyn to Boston? I uh, needed to get away from New York and so was just <laughs> looking for a university with a, a different type of engineering degree, which was uh, Boston University had a couple of different ones, biomedical engineering, manufacturing. So it was different and uh, went up there. Love Boston. We both love the city, but we just couldn't afford to live there. I hear it. Where did you go to high school? I went to MTA. Um, uh-huh. I start in Brooklyn. I went to Toratamima. Going from Toratamima to MTA, you really kind of have to hide that transition. Kind of have to lose all your friendships. <laughs> and then in MTA, I went to ki- to school with all these kids from Teaneck and uh, Queens who made fun of my Brooklyn accent. So I try to hide it as much as I can. But it's not so strong anymore, right? But it's the R's that come out a little flat every now and then. What is so, Josh? What do we not know about you? So let's see. Uh, I I really wanted to learn how to play the violin, and I had lessons for a few months. I had to stop though because I have arthritis since uh, since childhood. Couldn't couldn't uh, really play it so well because of that. I'm, I'm hanging that on uh, arthritis there. Uh, so violin, I'm, I really would love to play that. I feel like the the thing that we don't know about you is that you have arthritis. <laughs> it's going to be like you're round yeah, about way. Ask him for the technical name. No, no, we won't go there. <laughs> I hey, a couple of other things of interest for more work related, but I uh, I almost got caught uh, on a missile site on Shabbos because it was a missile launch site, and they. I was supposed to leave about two hours before Shabbos and they closed down the site because something didn't go right with the missile launch. Uh, so that's interesting. <laughs> I think that's very non-specific. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. And then another time I hitched a ride on a corporate jet. So I wasn't actually invited to fly on a corporate jet, but I was at Boeing and doing some work at Boeing and someone happened to be flying back to Baltimore to Northrop Grumman. And I said, Hey, could I get a ride? I got to go back also. And they're like, yeah, sure. <laughs> this was a private jet. Private jet. Yeah. Wait, you well, have to corporate. fill in. You have to fill in a little bit for people what you do, meaning you're talking so about jetting across the world and launching work, missiles. I work, and- yeah. I work for a defense contractor. 
Uh, we build hardware that goes on planes, mainly radar systems. So I was fixing a radar system out at Boeing in Seattle. And uh, I, I was looking for a ride back. <laughs> I was planning. What was take, your plan to get back? No, I was planning to take American Airlines or Delta or something. But uh, someone just happened to mention that they were flying back on a corporate jet. And I said, you got an extra seat? And they did. So that was fun. You went straight into the, into this field post-graduation or you, or you did graduate yeah, school? Yeah. You... I, uh, I, I got the job right after graduation, just happened to, to know somebody who worked here and they they were looking for someone with my specific degree, which is a little unique. So, um, yeah, got started in 2003. Wow. And I talk about the experience of being on BU a little bit. I loved BU. Yeah. Um, and it was just a really nice community of people. We had just a really great, large group of friends, a diverse group of friends. And uh, I'm actually, I recently got reinvolved. I'm on their alumni and programming committees. And it, it's a little sad because right now there's really not much of an Orthodox community. Um, probably after the head rabbi who was Orthodox left. Um, I don't know what happened in that time. They had a lot of changeover and, and problems at the Hillel there. Um, but um, I'm involved now, but it just, it's not, doesn't look really hopeful to have much of an Orthodox presence. It's really hard to get kids to start going when there's no one there right now. Um, but I still want to be involved. Hillel really was our world for many years and obviously is the reason we're married. So uh, it's just one of them. I mean, one of them. Wait, so how did you guys, I know you guys met at BU, but how did you meet? Just from Hillel and, and being in, it's not, it's not a huge place. So you meet people and uh, we, we're in a you, group of friends. You and, basically live at the Hillel house and um, we, we were just one of, I don't know, many couples. There were four couples that got married the same summer we did. Yeah, we got T-shirts made with all of our names on the back. Because it was like a wedding tour. Of just it was going. like every week we, there was a BU wedding. And, and someone, I was at this conference, uh, maybe it was a Prisma conference, and um, I was sat down with someone who was there from BU. And um, I mentioned who, like, who I, that I'd gone there and that we had, was part of this wedding. I don't know how it came up. And she's like, are you on that t-shirt? So I was like, yeah. So I guess it's like hanging. It was somehow hanging there or whatever. Mm-hmm. Claim to fame. So I'm asking everyone to reflect on this experience. I think one of the things that has been so challenging about the experience we're going through amongst many things that are are challenging. Um, one of the things that is most challenging is that we're each living a very different life because it's so constrained to the kind of four walls of your house. It's so constrained to the people that you are uh, living with, essentially. 
um, our experiences are a little bit different. So I'm wondering if there's any kind of lessons that, that you've learned through this process or any kind of big, big ideas or big things that you're reflecting upon now that we're, I think we just started month four. <laughs> um, so now that we're four yeah. months in, what are you guys thinking about? Well, I know that now it's a little different as we've jumped into summer, but we had a nice chunk of time where our kids were schooling from home. I would say it seemed maybe not a lot now, but it really was a lot of time that they were at home and going to class online. And while it may have been stressful at times to work from home and help our kids with their schoolwork, it really was a nice blessing for me to be able to witness them in their educational setting to see them how they interact with their teachers online um, and really be able to sit down with them and see what the work they're doing and how they learn because that's when they're at home even if they have homework that they're working on it's not the same and I really learned a lot about my kids um, and how they learn best and where they need you know guidance and um, it gave me a different perspective on on who they are as people. What about you, Josh? So, I mean, I've always, I've always had a hard time dealing with stress mainly from work, but um, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic when, when things change so quickly and you're living in a, like a two week world, everything is like, let's see what the next two weeks are going to be like from the very beginning when it was, when we're shutting down two weeks, so then we'll see. And, and now it's, we're going to do make a change and see what happens. And for me, that's really been a helpful way to look at things. I don't have to worry about things that could be four months, six months. I'm not trying to think about how long we're going to be doing this. It's just about, okay, what are we doing in the next two weeks? And that's just just helped me, and I and I hope I keep that. I have found that the more, um, at least in my own personal experience, as you're saying, Josh, the more uh, you can keep focused on the fact that that two week or even sometimes one week time frame is kind of the operating projection like you can only think about what's happening next week you, and even then at times that's kind of tough to like really expect what it's going to be like I, I found the more you can kind of hold on to that and let go of the fact that you don't know the long-term future uh, I, I've I, I relate to that kind of reassuring approach it's the times when I think about like as a shul rabbi, I think about Rosh Hashanah and Gipper that I like begin to hyperventilate and grow concerned about what, what the long-term future holds. Um, Terry, what are your kids reflecting upon? You, you have a wide range of ages uh, right. in your kids. Um, and so I'm curious if you've seen them uh, both emotionally and intellectually reflect upon this experience. Do they understand how like once in 100 years it is and, and the significance of it and, and how are they reflecting upon it? So, you know, I think they've really been handling it very maturely um, and with, with a pretty strong understanding of what's going on, even though 
like they definitely don't watch the news. And I don't feel like we obviously we talk about it a lot. It's like you can't help that. But we didn't ever like to sit down with them and say, here's what's going on or whatever. So it's just really what they've been picking up on. And, you know, sometimes there are things that we've had to say no about. um, And and that's upsetting to them um, that they can't do some of the things they want to do. But for the most part, they really understand the situation. And while they'll say, you know, we miss our friends, you know, I wish we could do this. They've otherwise really said, you know, I'm going to wear a mask or I'm going to, you know, stay away from this person. Like they really, they really have taken it. Um, Well, we're really, we're really thankful because as far as our ages go, they, they're a great age group to be somewhat self-sufficient and find things to do on their own and play with each other as well. Um, there's almost constantly a board game going on in our house. Yeah. Catan Usually Catan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bought Catan before Shavuos. That was the best purchase okay. ever. Pesa. Um, <laughs> doesn't matter. Yeah. Sometime during COVID. We Catan. <laughs> Catan, to get to ride card games. I mean, and, and then, um, yeah. Um, they, they I, just, I, just, they just, just get along really well. Just to jump in on that for a second, because there was a good five to 10 years where I feel like kids stopped playing board games. Um, I mean, minimally played board games. Do you, do you guys play board games during the week now as well? Is this like a legitimate? Oh, it's from wake up to bedtime with them. We're not always playing. Jonathan always jokes. Alina comes out of her bedroom, like wiping her hair. Anybody want to play Catan? (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, it starts. It's it's morning to night is there's usually a game going on. There's also a lot of screen time uh, mixed in um, that we had to relax some rules about. But uh, there's definitely a lot of game playing, and and that's how I feel like they're coping with it is just using each other, you know, playing with each other, and and thankfully they have each other. Has it made them closer? It sounds like it has. Um, there's, there's closeness. There's also definitely been a little more bickering. Um, some, 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 some days are tough. (laughs) Yeah. But, but I think in, in many ways they're, they like working together. Um, and, and they're excited when we can do things as a group, you know, more like they've recognized like, okay, so I'm, I've tried to relax some of my hours over the summer when they don't have such a, a strict schedule. So they are looking forward to those times like, Ooh, can we, you know, make this together? Can we do this together? So we're trying to find some activities that we would probably never do. Um, and, and they're looking forward to those things now. We, we really hope, you know, we take the precautions. We don't want to scare them, but they have to know the truth about what's going on in order to act properly. Um, we try to entertain them and have them enter entertain themselves um in the long run we hope they look back on this experience at a personal level that they really became a lot closer with their siblings and in some ways enjoyed that you know that real like oh dad worked from home all this time we got to play basketball every night and mom took off you know in the afternoons on a couple of days you know that's 
that was a lot of fun. So we're hoping. Ooh, 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 dad, dad didn't get stuck at a uh, rocket launch. So Josh, you're a little bit touching on my last question for the, for the conversation, um, which is what do you guys hope will be true about the world? I am like hesitant to even say it, but about the world after COVID, because I, I, you know, I don't want, none of us know when that's going to happen, but at some point COVID will be history. Um, so what do you hope will be true about the world, about your family, about the world, about our community? Right. So there's the, the, I, I, I hope our kids look back on this fondly. I think there's a, there's a, there, there are just so many unintended consequences that happen that come from things in life. And usually they're more important than what you think is going to happen. Um, so for me, I just, I hope that the unintended consequences are all positive. Um, and I, I just don't know what those will be. Um, and just pray that they will be positive. What about you, Terry? So looking on a more global level, um, it's just seeing all the chesed that's going on and the kindness that people have been doing to reach out to other people, um, whether it's phone calls to check in on people or, you know, getting people what they need. I mean, even among friends, it's like, oh, are you going to the store? You know, let me get something for you. Um, And so while we may not need a lot of that stuff afterwards, having that mindset of, of thinking about other people all the time. Um, that's really important to, to us. I mean, I think one of our strong family values is to teach kindness. Um, that's a key word here. So, um, hopefully the kids are seeing that, um, you know, we try to do as much as we can, um, but we're trying to it's keep ourselves, now. you know, a little protected. So some of it, some of the opportunities where we have tried or that I have tried ends up being an uncomfortable situation. So, you know, we try to do what we can, um, you know, making meals for people or things like that, or, um, yeah. So I hope that carries through and, and teaches our kids something. I hope so. Um, and I hope we get there very soon. I really do. Um, all right, Josh and Terry, thank you so much for, for the conversation. Um, obviously, uh, you know, this is a very small slice of, of your life and your family. Um, and uh, please send, send my best to your kids. Uh, I miss seeing them around. I miss seeing them in shul. So uh, tell them I say hi. Thank you. Save us some Twizzlers. Uh, there are plenty of Twizzlers <laughs> and Shaw. I forgot to unsubscribe to the Amazon subscription. So I have like boxes and boxes oh, of Twizzlers. Well. Eventually, eventually they ran out of stock, believe it or not. Uh, wow. So I have like five boxes. I have like 10 pounds of Twizzlers waiting. You know, they, they go stale, you know, so we might have, you might have to set up a table, a Twizzler table one Shabbos. But there, yeah, I was, I, I thought about that, but I don't know how to do it in a hygienic way. So uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That, you know that, at that work, be- the day that, that actually everything shut down, CJ was supposed to have this early childhood conference for teachers. And we had 300 plus teachers, you know, coming and we, we had made the decision already a week before that we weren't going to do it. But that's months of planning, which included purchasing snacks for 300 educators, which we had sitting in a room in our office. So 
right after, I think it was right after Pesach, we, a couple of us went into the office and like a lot of that stuff was now expired. Even we went through and made like gift bags and delivered it to like all the staff members and stuff That's because so we're nice. like, what are we going to do with all 300 people worth of snacks? We still have a lot in there. We were hopeful and didn't do anything that was expiring in like June and July. But I think now it's time for another trip there. It looks like Josh could use some snacks. <laughs> I, I didn't want to say it myself, but I was thinking it. <laughs> Everyone's home. You need snacks. You need I know snacks. the jalapeno chips. You can't beat them. Oh, you can't beat those chips. I agree. (laughs) All right, guys, this has been wonderful. I have such a good night. Thank you so much for making the time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you, Terry and Josh, for the great conversation. I feel like every time I uh, record one of these conversations, I walk away feeling very hopeful uh, and feeling very grateful for the community that we have and for the people we have in our community. People of PJC is a project of our shul, of our community, the Pikesville Jewish Congregation, where we share our stories and we listen to each other like we would around the Shabbat table. I'm Yechiel Shaffer, the rabbi of, Pi- of the Pikesville Jewish Congregation. To learn more about our community or to listen to other episodes, please visit our website, pikesvillejewish.com, or subscribe to this podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. This has been a project of the members of our community, the people of PJC.